What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Planeswalkers Anonymous. If you're interested in tournament-winning tech and detailed metagame breakdowns, this is the podcast you listen to to be severely disappointed. Or at least this week. Last week, we did the whole metagame breakdown thing, but this week, we're doing another On the Shoulders of Giants. This one's all about disappointment. It kind of is, yeah. But first, Boardwalk Games. Donovan, I, th- I think that... uh this last Friday, I was up there at Boardwalk, and tonight you were there actually playing events. Yeah, I played some Magic. I channeled my inner Bruce um, for round one, but I got over it and ended up with a solid two and two record. Okay, okay you were playing Modern tonight, right? Because yeah, you do uh, up there at Boardwalk Games in North Dallas. You can play Modern on Mondays, play Standard on Fridays, and what are we doing? We're doing uh, Commander Wednesdays and Legacy Thursdays? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I, I played FNM last week up there, and I definitely had Bruce in the driver's seat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for starters... You had Bruce pick out your deck for you? Yeah, I procrastinated on deck building, and I ended up just buying and playing the blue-white challenger deck. And then on top of that... Like, this doesn't really have anything to do with Bruce. But on top of that, there was... Uh, one of the actual good players at the event was playing a blue-white standard deck that was not really the challenger deck, but it's similar because it's blue-white control, you know? And In standard? Yeah. And then there were I limited that card two other people who were playing the blue-white challenger deck. Uh, I think I think both of them had made some slight adjustments to the deck. I was just playing it. I just played it straight up. Uh, but I did have one mirror match where we played to time in the first round. Yeah. I know. As the person judging that event, I noticed. Sorry. I went I went to time, like, every single round. And, like, there were other mm-hmm. people playing blue-white, and they didn't go to time. I don't know why my games lasted so long. I don't know if I was doing better or worse than the other blue-white players. But, I mean, I know I, I just, I'm probably performing worse overall just, because I lost it. You first. come from the Nassif school of magic, you know? What is that? You're a deliberate magic player. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't, I don't. Gabriel is pretty known for being slow, but because he's like making the right decisions, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you... It's like he's known for being slow, but like it pays off, you know. Well, mine... like a lot of people who are slow or not good. Mine certainly did not pay off, and because <laughs> I because I lost, uh, or I went to time and then I just gave it to my opponent because I figure they care more than I do about it. Uh, but I really. I don't feel like I'm slow, though. Like, I don't feel like I sat there, ma- even, like, making right decisions. I don't think I f- felt like I was sitting there making decisions for a long time. I just... I, uh, I went to time round one tonight, but that's because my opponent in game two went to infinite life, like, 17 times, and I had to prove to him that that wasn't enough to win. <laughs> uh, what, what was his infinite life total? Oh, I didn't make him pick one. I just didn't care. Like, it's fine. I... I'm playing Jund in Modern. Like, mm-hmm. you set the number to 500,000, that's good enough. I don't care. Whatever, right? Okay. I just have to beat you by running you out of cards now. Oh, okay. Like, sure. I, if I was in a competitive tournament, I might make them pick a number. Because, like, Liliana the Last Hope makes zombies that zo- zombie token amounts that grow exponentially. Yeah. And so, like, I might get to an, a declared number. But in just regular magic, I... I'm just like, cool, I'm going to ignore your life total now and beat you somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but, like, one of my friends came by and asked me about the match in game two, and I was just like, 
Oh, well, my opponent's at infinite life, so, like, you know, I gotta find other ways to win. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, that's rough. And I was like, it's okay, I've never lost to this combo out of this deck. <laughs> which is true. I I didn't lose that game. I lost the match, but I didn't lose that game. We drew because we went to time, yeah. but I was very clearly going to win that game. Um, but he won game one because I punted away my entire hand on accident when you play. Uh-oh, how do you do that? Oh, Liliana the Veil upticks to make you discard a card, and I just wanted to play Magic because I hadn't played Modern in a year, and so I was, like, casting spells I shouldn't have, and using Liliana to empty my own hand, and I was like, you know, did that, and then I was like, huh, I'm out of stuff to do, and this is all my fault. Did you have something with, like, Hellbent or something? I, I don't... No, I was just I was okay. just playing you my spells, and I, like... wanted Liliana to be higher loyalty. Like, I played a fresh Liliana to have a higher loyalty, because I minus the other one. Yeah. When I could have just plused the other one and discarded that one, and so when I played the new one and plused it, I had to discard the other card that was in my hand. Okay. Well, and then my opponent played a collected company, and I had no cards in hand, and they played two threats, one of which was a card that destroys my Liliana. Ooh, so rough city, man. But, yeah, but it was all my own fault. I don't care. I, sure. you know, that's what I was saying a second ago, just joking. I channeled my inner Bruce. It's like that was all on me. I wanted to cast spells because I hadn't played them in a year. I wasn't focusing on like making tight plays. Yeah, you weren't. You weren't playing like Nasif, which is apparently what I do. Yeah, and then game two, I uh, I I buckled down. And I was like, okay, I need to actually like pay attention to what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I did pretty good, but he comboed off, which that deck does frequently. I just make sure it's the infinite life combo, not the infinite damage combo. Yeah, and I can still win because I play a copy of Murderous Rider, which can go to the bottom of your library when it dies. Sure, and ways to kill it, and I just can I can I play Assassin's Trophy in Renin Six. Which means that I can have, over time, infinite Assassin's Trophies to destroy literally every permanent in their library. Okay. And then they don't have any more lands to play their spells, and they can't cast spells, and I win. And I had achieved that lock against my opponent. I hadn't destroyed all their lands yet, but I destroyed all their other permanents. Yeah. And I was just kind of trying to build up some... Or, all the other permanents they had played, I mean... I was trying to build up some lands in hand to retrace my assassin's trophies before I went after started going after his lands, mm -hmm. and uh, we ran out of time. But I was there was no way I was losing that game, right? That's and I even had like collector in, oof in play, so he couldn't use his combo that kills me, and I had Ashiok in play, so he couldn't search for cards on his own, and like it was that game was all but over. Yeah. But he's a not super. Uh, analytical player, and so he's like, oh yeah, I still have cards in my hand, and there's lands in play, I could draw something and win. Right. And I'm not the kind of person that goes, why haven't you conceded? You can't win. Sure. I'm like, I don't play Magic till they stop wanting to play Magic with me. Yeah, and like, <laughs> I guess to be fair... And I don't know his list, you know? Yeah, but and like, to be fair, I'm not a super analytical gets to do second right, and I'm not a super analytical person, so... Like, that might contribute to this, but, like, for me, I'd probably play that out, too. Just be like, well, I don't know. I got, If I stop playing Magic, that's a guaranteed loss. If I continue oh, yeah, playing it, Magic, it might be a guaranteed loss, but might be guaranteed is different from guaranteed, you know? And at, at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, I was just hoping to top deck my Walking Ballista. And I was just like, oh, I mean, I had a creature in play that says you can't activate artifacts, so, like... That wouldn't have done anything. Like, oh, I would have conceded if I realized that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, I'm not worried about it. Like, 
if you're if we were playing in a really competitive tournament, you did the correct thing. Like you won game one, it's on me to win game two. Sure. You don't need to win game two as long as we don't finish game two. Right. So like and he's like, Oh yeah, but this is just just like casual thing, so like I would have just gone on to the next game if I'd realized I just couldn't win. I don't care. I was having fun. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. But it's it's fun to be back in there playing games again at at the shop, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad to draw matches because my opponents had infinite life and they won't concede. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Also played against uh, Storm and Blue Blue Moon and Esper Control, so it was a good time. Yeah, we I had fun on Friday, but uh, but that's. Boardwalk. But you just played against Blue Eye Control every round, right? I mean, what... yeah, that and I played Mono Red <laughs> one round. I played a Polymorph deck in the 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 round before the, the event round? started. Yeah. Then I played uh, Blue White Control, then Mono Red, then another Blue White Control, and then I got a buy on the last round. So, <laughs> sorry, we've gone way off topic here. No, it's... Uh, where are we supposed to be right now? It's all good. We were, we were just talking about Boardwalk. working our way towards our. First giveaway? Yeah, that's right, because we... Uh, You've never given anything away on the podcast? I mean, we've get, this is our first of our monthly giveaways. Oh, okay. We have actually given away some stuff before. We gave away a, uh, a secret layer. A couple secret layer? Yeah, and did we give something else away at some point? Uh, I don't know. You all hit, you handled all that. I, dude, I just show up here. <laughs> but... I don't do any work. But since, since we came back from our, our little break... Uh, we've been opening up a pack on every episode, and we started this out to to just, I mean, for one thing, it's just a fun thing to do. I like to do stuff like this and give things away and, and basically kind of get some attention <laughs> because I have to buy my friends. But but also, I, I was trying to do something. People some, suck, you're right. Yeah. I was trying to do something to uh, make, our, make our Patreon just more inviting and give some incentive for people to participate in it. Uh, however, we can't, for like legal reasons, we can't make the giveaway exclusive to people who are on our Patreon. You can participate in the giveaway without giving us any kind of money, but in order to do that, you yeah, go over to our Patreon page, and in the About Planeswalkers Anonymous section, there's some information about the giveaway. There's a link there you can use to take a survey, and that'll also enter you into the giveaway for nothing. Uh, do they have to do that every month? Yeah, you have to do that each month. I'm going to clear... Like, I'm going to use the same survey, same link, and everything every month, but when we do our our actual giveaway at the end of the month, I just clear out all of the participants who have done it already, and so then <laughs> if you go and do it again, you'll show up as a new participant. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, however, if you are a member of our Patreon, you just automatically get entered... Uh, and you can accumulate multiple entries. Like, if you're at our basic humans level uh, on the Patreon, then you get one entry per month that you're a consecutive supporter on Patreon, up to 12 entries per giveaway. Yeah. Whereas if you, like, upgrade to the dragons level, you get two per month, up to 24. And, like, if you join us at our, like, elite Eldrazi tier, then you just get, yes. the, you get that same 24 entries, but you don't have to build it up over consecutive months. You just get in at the 24 entries level. And uh, and this month, we actually have someone at each each tier. So we, Ah, we'll see the odds at work. Right, right. So I kind of, 
have an expectation of how this is going to break, but <laughs> but we've got some stuff yes, to give our away. Eldrazi is going to get um, get these cards. Yes, that that seems most likely. We have somebody who filled out the survey. We have a human, a dragon, and an Eldrazi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, actually, we don't have anyone from the survey uh, ah. because we did have four people do the survey, but one of them is you. And so I was not... Yeah, I don't count. Yeah. I'm not a real person. One of them was you. One of them was me. Sounds like a bot. And then the other two are people who are on our Patreon. And what I decided is you don't get extra entries for doing the survey. So that Mm. only counts if you're not already a patron. Right. Patreon members, we don't want to hear your opinion. (laughs) No, we do, actually. Give us money and shut up. (laughs) Actually, I'm really happy to hear from here. Maybe I should ask our patron patreon people to do the survey like i don't know exactly how to work this around maybe you could give them extra entries if they <laughs> did the survey okay i mean i can uh Aha! i'm yeah. making duncan do extra work no it, it's my it's task hard, is complete it's hardly gonna be having to adjust the right. rules of his giveaway all right fair I'll, I'll stick an extra entry on for each of those people who are for our patreon but uh we've got we open up a pack every episode. This this last month, we actually opened two packs one episode because one pack was bad. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a whole. Don't expect that every week, though, people. Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes a pack will just be bad. We open bunk seven packs in a row. We're not going to pack number eight. Right. But I've got quite a large stack of cards. It's you know mostly commons and uncommons because that's how packs work. Uh, but we got some highlights no. in here. No, it's not. I buy only collector packs, uh. But we've got... And it's mostly uncommons, but it's not mostly commons and uncommons. <laughs> but we've got a Mystical Archive Demonic Tutor, so that's pretty cool. Yes. We've got a... We like demons, I guess. Foil Japanese uh, Mystical Archive Mind's Desire. That's also yeah. pretty sweet. And then, yeah. let's see, some of do the you other... wonder what Mystical Archive's Mind does desire. We do have... Uh, Quite a few just foils and Japanese cards that some people might like. We've got several other of these Japanese mystical archives. I don't think anything else that's like a, a big pull in, in that respect. But we also have... Uh, what else is, was in here that you can remember being exciting, Donovan? I don't remember. I deal too many magic cards in a week. <laughs> it's fine. We've, we've got a few... Uh, a few art cards that are that are neat. They're not worth. You really like the signed Belladros art card? Yeah, I, I thought that wasn't there like a full art dragon somewhere. Uh, well, we got a Velamachus Lorehold, but he's, oh, but not full art. Yeah, not full art, but he is a, a mythic rare. Uh, mm, yes. What else have we got in here? Oh, I've got a Needlethorn Drake. <laughs> uh, we we do have the uh, Mystical Archive Japanese Harmonize though. If you don't, hey, that's neat. If you don't happen to like the the regular Harmonize. Were there any foil Japanese archives? Hmm. Just the uh, the Mind's Desire. Uh, I think that's the only. Because like even a a duress, if it's the foil Japanese archives, like ten bucks or something. So like that's cool. Hold on. I'm s- looks like the answer is all right. Negative Ghost Rider. We do have several Infuriates though. Uh, we have both Ooh. the English ones and one of the Japanese Infuriates at least in this stack. So you know. Anyway, the the real highlights First- here. Kind the of, first giveaway will be quite infuriating. <laughs> it's kind of unfortunate that both of these came from the first pack we opened this month, but the like major highlights from this giveaway are the the foil Japanese Minds Desire and the 
English mystical archive demonic tutor. Yeah, I mean it's like a hundred bucks worth of cards on there. Yeah, plus big stack of other cards, a lot of Japanese ones, a few English ones, some foils, stuff like that. It's it's neat, and I have got to pick out a winner. That's what's next. So, well, pick out I say. Uh, the way I decided to do this to to be fair and like get the get it randomized is I have there, there's a website called random.org that has a bunch of tools for doing random stuff. They don't have Are you using their giveaway tool? No, I'm not because that that requires you to be like get on a subscription with them. I know, I'm just joking around. Okay. Anyway, they're just saying you should use a specific tool. Yeah, anyway, I'm not using that specific tool because you have to pay for it. Uh, yeah, no, I did the same thing whenever I had something to give away. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Fuck that. Right. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm using their uh, list randomizer. I've put mm-hmm. the uh, all of our entrants on the list as many times as they're mm-hmm. entered into the contest. And mm-hmm. I'm going to randomize that list. And what that achieves is it gives me a a number associated with each of those names up between 1 and 29 now. It was 1 and 27, uh, but then I added two people again because you said I needed to. Yeah, right. My word is law. Yeah. So now it's between 1 and 29, and then I've also got just Google's random number generator, and I'm going to tell it to generate me a number between 1 and 29, and that will correspond to one of those names. Does that seem reasonable, Donovan? Sounds good to me. All right. I am now prepared to generate a number for our winner. And it is number 15. And that's... Is that me? That's Daniel. Huh. The person the person who's an Eldrazi member? That, that is had, accurate. Had more entrance? Yeah. Somehow not surprising. Uh, I want to remind people that even though, like, like we were just talking about how there was one person, we pretty, had a pretty good idea who might win this because they were entered a lot more than anyone else. If you just stay on our Patreon, like I said, over consecutive months, you build up entries. And so that uh, head start won't last forever. Uh, theoretically, people will build up to the point where they have just as many entries, or you know? Yeah. And also, I wanted to point out that since we launched our Patreon this month, no one has actually been charged for this month. So anyone who joined this month hasn't paid anything yet on that. And I was... I, I'm not concerned that this is going to happen, but I can foresee a thing where somebody could join, wait for us to do the giveaway, and then leave before they've been charged anything. So what I decided to do about that is uh, I just go ahead and do the giveaway this this month as as I've done, you know, and mm-hmm. go ahead and include people for for the level that they're at and cross my fingers. If something goes wrong with that, and it doesn't work out. I'm like, well, got scammed out of five booster packs. Not yeah. a big deal. Yeah, it's not that big a deal. Uh, but what I'm going to do to prevent that from being exploitable, yeah, exploitable in the future, is there's a setting on Patreon that you can change so that people get charged when they join, rather than at the next charge date. Uh, and I don't, I didn't have that turned on because. Patreon says they weren't pe- getting anything anyways. Well, yeah, and also Patreon says that people like their an- analytics show that people prefer this other model. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm gonna go ahead and flip that on. But what I was gonna do is wait until after the first of the month when the people who are on there now get charged, so I didn't like turn it on and charge them all of a sudden for something they were expecting 
to get charged for it the first of the month, you know? Yeah, you could do that. Or just as a question, could you also just only give them entries for the Patreon level that they were last charged for? I could, but I want people to be able to, like, hear the podcast where we opened up something cool and be like, ooh, I would like to win that and go join the Patreon and be entered to win it, you know? Sure, 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 sure. Uh, yeah. So, so that's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna go ahead, and everyone who's on the Patreon now just gets entered for the level that they're at, whether they've been charged or not. And then tomorrow, I will turn on the ch- get charged when you join. So, it's anyone who's joining in the future, that's how it's gonna be working from now on. You will get charged at the time you join for whatever level you join at. Okay, I'm down. Congratulations, Daniel. Our Eldrazi member has won our giveaway this month and is a, a pretty pretty cool stack of cards to win. And uh, for next month's giveaway, we still need to open up a pack so that we have, have something to give our next giveaway winner. I've got another Strixhaven, Japanese Strixhaven set booster. Uh, we did talk mm-hmm. about it. We're going to try and mix in some other stuff. For in the future, but right now, I still have a stack of these, and I don't have other stuff yet. Uh, (laughs) I'm hoping, pretty soon we're going to have Modern Horizons coming out. I'm hoping to open up at least a couple of packs of that this month. Snag a little of that? Yeah, that should be fun, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But, for this week, we got the the art card we got is... I don't know what card this is. Shadewing Laureate. Ah, Shadewing Laureate. It's the three mana one that gets a plus one plus one counter whenever a flying creature dies. It's something laureate. Is it Shadewing? Might be. Shadewing Laureate. But that's just the art card. And we got a Japanese basic mountain. Mm. We got a fractal summoning. Cram session. And then uh what is this crocodile actually? Uh Spined Karok. Yeah, Spined Karok. We got a, a Professor of Zoology. Uh, another crocodile. That one is a different Karok. It's the lifelink one. I think it's Moldering Karak. Yeah, that sounds right. Moldering Karak. Hmm. Can't remember this guy's name either. He's the one that uh, has the activated ability for five and a black to drain you. Hmm. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever. It's a common. We can, we can keep moving through here. We've got a worm, Wormhole Serpent. A... Ooh, this is a mythic. Uh, his name is... Extus. Extus. Oric Overlord. Yeah. That's cool. And, or oh, Awaken the Blood Avatar, if you read the backside of it. Oh, right. I forgot he was double-faced. Or Awaken the Blood Avatar. And we also have a Cody, Voracious Codex. And we've got a... It's a Japanese Mystical Archive. I believe it's Putrefy. Accurate. And a Foil Expel. And a Japanese Pesto. Spectre of the Fins is the name of the card for which we could not remember the name. Spectre of the Fins. Alright, cool, cool. Uh, anything... Anything we get there that you think is a money card? Uh, Extus might be. Extus is very good. Yeah. Mm. I think Extus is not super expensive now, but a lot of people are uh, speculating it might be good. Okay. It just hasn't been quite developed yet, you know? Yeah. But uh, that pack is for our next giveaway. It's got Extus, Cody, and... Uh, a Japanese putrefy. Yeah. Cool. That is pretty cool. Alright. Are you ready to talk about an On the Shoulders of Giants article? Yes. Awesome. For any new listeners who have joined us 
I don't know, maybe just this episode or even almost any time since we went off the air for a while, uh, we we do a kind of ongoing series called On the Shoulders of Giants, where we talk about uh, mostly articles, although I'm thinking about branching out into other media, but just stuff that was produced by people. I I want to say yeah. like... People. I want to say like the professionals or like the the uh, pinnacle of like magic playing, but like this week the guy who's writing for us or the guy who wrote the article we're doing this week was never a major player. He was more like a color commentary sort of guy. He did interesting writing for Star City Games, uh, and he was the first to tell people that he's not good at magic. I think he probably is actually better above average as far as play skill goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played in PTQs and stuff like that, you know. And a lot of people do who aren't good, but I get the impression that he's fine, at least competent, you know. But mm-hmm. he, his, he, he was always quick to say that he's bad at magic. So I guess the point being that a lot of media has been produced for a long time now, going back to like all the way back to the early '90s about magic. On, like, the Magic Dojo, and which was an old website, <laughs> and there was the Duelist Magazine, and all of these things have had, like, kind of... The net. Yeah. But there have been, there's been a lot of collected wisdom over the course of Magic's life that is valuable still. Uh, some of it is, like, relevant things that you might not have thought of, just because it's it's older, you haven't read this, and, and like, you, I don't know. There, there are things that you just might not know. And a lot of other things, most most of what we do, is stuff that's just kind of been incorporated into the magic zeitgeist. Is like people know like what you mean if you if you say who's the beatdown, and people know what a mana curve is and stuff like that. But like there were people who pioneered these ideas and terms and stuff. And so on the shoulders of giants is just our series where we go back and revisit some of these things and and talk about how it's applicable today or why it was so valuable, or how it influenced magic. And this week, we've got Stuck in the Middle with Bruce by John F. Rizzo. <laughs> and like I mentioned, writing for Star City Games in 2001. And uh, I don't think this article really qualifies as like one of the like big, splashy things that really changed how, how people think about magic or introduced any like strategy to the magic zeitgeist or anything like that. But it does talk about a principle that I found valuable and... Uh, this week we're just on the shoulders of someone really tall. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But uh, but jo- John Rizzo, who st- styled himself as John Friggin' Rizzo for Star City Games, like I, like I mentioned, it was more of a color commentator. He wrote tournament John reports. Friggin' Rizzo, yeah. 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 <laughs> But he, he wrote tournament reports and stuff for Star City Games and a few of these sort of like more philosophical articles. And Stuck in the Middle with Bruce is one of those. And the article starts off, uh, well, really it starts off saying like, oh, I, I could do some of that uh, that stuff all the other writers do, but I'm not going to do that because that's not what I do. Uh, he kind of starts off with a description of some of the things that he's not happy with about his life and career. And... And, uh, and how he's been basically thinking about how he ended up in the place that he is and how that relates to his magic career as well. Mm-hmm. And it, the idea that he comes up with is, is, uh, it, it encapsulated in this quote. It says, uh, people need to lose. 
People need to suffer. People need to feel pain and agony and regret and remorse, and then a little more pain. Yes, all people. Even you, who is right now laughing out loud at such a series of ridiculous statements. I can succeed. I will succeed. I must succeed. But so must the other guy. Yeah. And and he goes on to talk about how, you know, everyone wants to win, but in order to win, by necessity, someone has to lose. Mm-hmm. And how sometimes the person who wins or loses isn't affected so much by the person who wants to win more, but by the person who wants to lose more. Yeah. And and the uh, the example that he gives that explains the, the title of the article is that he used to know a person named Bruce, who was... Maybe. Do what? I said maybe, like... Yeah, I mean, pro- prob- probably that was not their real name if they were a real person, right? Yeah. But the article says he used to know a person named Bruce, who was just one of those born losers. He had, like, every advantage in life, but he would go to the pool hall and bet on things, and he would always give himself just enough handicaps that he couldn't ever win. And Rizzo couples that with the with his uh, knowledge of Fyodor Dostoevsky, who's a famous Russian author, who also was a degenerate gambler. <laughs> I say degenerate gambler. I'm quoting. I don't actually have a problem with people who gamble or anything. Uh, but uh, Rizzo says here in his articles, uh, speaking of Dostoevsky, he says, many times he wagered his entire fortune on the spin of a roulette wheel. He later noted that he experienced orgasm when his little ball would come to rest on a n- number he had not chosen. Get that? He had one when he lost. He lost everything in Climax because he lost. And it's really these two people, I think, that uh, Rizzo kind of combined to, to come up with his little philosophical insight. Which is that he thinks he thinks everybody really wants to lose on some level. Not because that's really what you desire, but because you feel like it's right. Yeah, like, that's not your goal, but you want it to happen because that's what you expect to happen, and you want your expectations to be met. Right, it's kind of like, and this is this is me riffing on the same subject, not directly out of the article, but it's, it's kind of like, if if you don't really believe that you deserve to win, then when you win, there's a lot of pressure on you like you'd be like oh man i guess uh, you hear from a lot of successful people that when they become successful they feel like they've gotten away with something or that they're they're being inauthentic or something you know or that there's a lot of pressure to continue succeeding right and so but it so like Rizzo was saying, there's there's this like idea that oh I don't really belong here at the top tables. I don't really belong uh, in like the the I don't know Billboard top ten or something, you know? Yeah. And really, where I belong is down in the gutter with everyone else. And so there is a satisfaction to having that expectation met, even if it's not really what you quote unquote want. There is a kind of just visceral satisfaction feeling when you do lose that game of magic and you when you're... and there's a little part of you that is working towards that goal right right and i and uh rizzo gets to it some in his article although he, he spends less time on this point than than i think is warranted because the thing that i really found valuable in this article is when he's talking about people 
kind of use a crutch. They they say I got mana screwed or or uh, or they just drew perfect. Right. And I, so, you know, I never could have won there. And a lot of mm-hmm. times what happens is you draw your hand, you're looking at your seven cards and you've got uh, say say you've got two islands, like three white cards and two blue white cards in your hand, right? Yeah. And you're like, "Oh, if I get a planes, this could this could work." And like depending mm-hmm. on your deck specifically, maybe. A lot of times the way I see it is if you don't have anything you can play with the lands in your opening hand at at two. This is this is different. If you have like five lands, I don't know. Maybe that's different. But but if if you have your your opening hand, you got two lands and nothing you can play off just those two, you probably need to mulligan. But it's real tempting yeah. to keep. It is real tempting to keep. And if you keep that hand, maybe you go on and win. Maybe you do. But if you end up getting mana screwed after the game, most people are going to walk away saying, oh, I got mana screwed. There was nothing I could have done about it. Yeah. But they could have mulliganed. They saw that <laughs> opening hand. They knew that, they didn't have anything they could play. actually happened to my opponent tonight. They they Their friend dealt out seven cards. Mm-hmm. While they were, um, while we were shuffling up our decks, and they're like, "All right, here's your hand," just kind of as a joke. But like the deck was shuffled, and those are a random seven cards. So sure, uh, my opponent took the cards and like, okay, and looked at it, and their friend's like, "Oh, dude, I was joking. I thought you were gonna mulligan that." And they're like, "Well, I mean, it's a random seven. It's fine." And so like we played, mm-hmm. and they didn't draw a third land ever. Yeah, and they lost, and they're like, "Huh." Maybe I should have mulliganed that, which I think is good on them for thinking, like, for not going, oh, like, I played three ops that game, I should have found a land. Yeah. Like, yeah, they probably should have, but they also probably should have just found a hand that could operate. Right. Rather than one that had two lands and an ops. Yeah, I I think there's lots of other uh, examples that we could come up with for how that that little voice inside you telling you that... It'll be okay. Yeah, it'll be okay. And Just I, because it doesn't, you don't want to do the work to to make the correct play. Yeah, I think like what it comes down to for me is I think it's not so much that people want to lose. I think there, I think that that insight probably has some validity. There's probably something to that about people wanting to lose. I think there's certainly people like Fyodor Dostoevsky who maybe really did actively want to lose. And, yeah. and maybe there is a little bit of that in everyone, too. But I think it's less that. And more that people fear they're going to lose. They have a fear of failure. And so they look for little opportunities where they can just kind of move the blame off themselves. It's like if you ask someone, hey, did you keep that hand that was short on land so that you would end up getting mana screwed and you could lose the game and it wouldn't be your fault? No one would ever say yes. You know? But... Or very few people would say yes. But that is something I can believe a lot more than I kept this hand because there's a voice in, in my head telling me I should lose. It's more there's a voice in my head telling me, oh, if you keep this and it works, then you won. And if you keep this and you lose, then it's not your fault. And so yeah. that's a win-win. And so that's really tempting. I don't think it's tempting for very many people to say like, ooh, I can do this and it will make me lose. But it is really tempting for people to look at a situation like, ooh, either I win or I lose in a way that's not my fault. Yeah. Like, if you're, say, you're a, 
this is hard for me to think of a great example because I'm not great at the metagame stuff and I'm not that analytically minded. Maybe you can come up with the, the specific cards for me, Don. But, like, if, say, you have a play and you're like, ooh, this could be really good, but you're looking at your opponent's open mana and, like, they've got, say, say they've got two blue up, right? And and you're playing in a modern, post-Modern Horizons 2, right? And so, like, you know Counterspell is in the format. You know it's probably fairly popular right now because it's the new spell that, like, people want to get to play in Modern. And your opponent mm-hmm. has tapped all of their forests, and some, but, like, they left two islands up, right? Like, mm-hmm. they might have a Counterspell. Now, sometimes the correct move is to just play into it. Be like, hey, make them have it, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes the correct move is to play around it. And if you make them have it, just because like, ah, hey, you know what? Either I win here or I lose and it's not my fault because they had it. Mm, they were always going to have it. They had it, you know? That, yeah. That's that same situation where you have provided yourself an out to where you get to lose without feeling like you failed, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think Rizzo... Rizzo talks about that sort of stuff for a, for a look for a fairly short amount of his article, but and he goes on to, to provide some like non magic examples for how like Bruce shows up in in people's everyday life. I think some of those are are worth mentioning because I think they're situations people may be even more familiar with than in magic. Is like says, have you ever not studied for an important test and and failed? Hey, come on, you knew that test was coming up. You knew you didn't know it well enough. You wouldn't you wouldn't get an F on something thinking that you were going to get an A, you know? Yeah. I mean, probably some people do. I shouldn't shut that down like that. But, you know, if you really feel like you've got it under control, you probably more likely get, like, a C or a D because you messed up. Whereas there are a lot, plenty of times when you're like, yeah, I knew. I knew I didn't know this. I should have spent last night studying, but instead I went out with my boyfriend or whatever, you know? And mm-hmm. so that, that happens. Or uh, have you ever spent too much money on something you want like magic cards when you know you've got bills coming up i think a lot of us have done that and it's not like you don't know that you have that car payment or your rent due or the electric bill you know you just want the magic cards anyway because people people just set themselves up to fail a lot and i don't know <laughs> to what i think it's funny that one of them is like did you ever play the lottery yeah like not like any other extenuating circumstances, you, you played the lottery. Yeah, I mean, and it, and that's a fair one. You know you're not mm-hmm. winning that. Yeah. You're throwing your money away. As I have you ever loaned money to someone you knew wouldn't pay it back? I think a lot of... Some people are more, are more harsh than that, right? But a lot of us have done that. We've been like, ah, this person asked for a loan, and we know that it's going to be a gift. You know? Yeah. Like, we've been there. We've been there. Um, and a lot of the time, I don't think this is as directly as, uh, Rizzo's describing about Bruce being like that situation where really you want to lose, you want to fail, you want to not have enough money for that car payment or whatever. I don't think it's so much that, but it is a situation where you can make the right decision and you decided not to for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. And like, right is in quotes here because like if you loan money to someone you know isn't going to pay it back that's not necessarily the wrong decision that's fine you can do that you know it's just a poor financial decision for you right and and yeah so so you know there's there's a lot of uh qualifications that will go into whether or not these are the right decisions for you personally in the specific examples but the the point that i think is relevant here is 
that there are a lot of decision points that people encounter and they don't decide to do what it takes to make the right choice. And I don't know that I do this very well. I think there's lots of times I make poor decisions. I really, I probably just am bad at making decisions. Uh, but thinking about this has contributed to how I play Magic. And and maybe even, like you were saying earlier in the episode, Donovan, that I, I, play, I play deliberately, possibly even slowly, because I'm thinking about my decisions and stuff. And I think... I think that's a good thing. Uh, if I do all that and still fail, well, then that <laughs> brings it into question. But if you take the time to consider each of your decisions and make sure you're making the right decision, not the decision that gives you the most deniability for, or the decision that gives you the least uh, responsibility, you know? Yeah. Uh, then, then you just have, you're just more likely to succeed. And I think the most of the rest of the article <laughs> goes into uh, like Rizzo kind of describing how this concept of Bruce has affected his own decision making, and and he spends a while talking about uh, so just some of the things he's done in his life and his career that may have been affected by his his Bruce deep down inside, uh, and then he kind of wraps up talking about how the. Even the very best players in Magic, the like Paulo Vito Damaderosas and and John Finkels and stuff like that, aren't the best player forever. Uh, and he he speculates that the reason for that may be that um, these people achieve you know the pinnacle of, of Magic by managing to fight down Bruce long enough to make the right decisions and get there and win the games. Uh, but you can't always do it forever. And eventually, Bruce catches up to you and forces you to lose yeah. again. And I'm not so much on board with that one. I think that uh, I think I think Rizzo kind of hit the nail on his, on the head here, where where he's kind of like blowing this off. He's he says, um, well, I don't know. I think that might be accurate with Mike Long. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I, I and I think he's... it's I think Bruce probably contributes to 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 losing when people lose. You know, yeah. um, but. My joke about Mike Long, for anyone who doesn't know, is Mike Long is a player that, if I'm not mistaken about which one that is, is, is famous for having gotten caught cheating a lot. Yeah. my Interesting about Mike Long. Oh, man. I, I even put Mike Long down on, like, the short list of things that maybe we would do a whole episode on at one point. So he's, he's really interesting because he's, like, one of the best players ever, and he went to work for Watsy and stuff like that, and he also got caught cheating. And, like... It's easy to say, oh, he's a cheater, therefore he's not good, but he probably is still one of the best players. He's just mm-hmm. also a cheater because his attitude is basically that, that, like, if you're not cheating, you're not trying attitude. He's like, I'm going to take every avenue that I possibly can to win, including and cheating. And pretty popular whenever Magic first came out. There's a lot of people who played with that attitude. Yeah. And it's not... Un- it's not- unreasonable for someone to believe that i just yeah it, it's kind of like it's not the way we think nowadays yeah it's it's basically a, the approach is if i don't get caught doing this then it helps me win you know yeah but here he, he does say it kind of dismissively he mentions that uh the common idea of why these people don't stay at the top forever is it's because they don't play as much don't care as much or even that they just got lucky but he says, but might you suggest they had their day in the sun and now it's time to come back down to where they think they belong? 
Like, maybe. There, there, and there probably are people like that, that they tried and they got really good and they did their, they were successful. Mm -hmm. And then they just, they stopped putting in the effort because they didn't really feel like they belonged on the top level, top level. Yeah. And I probably, it does exist. And, but I don't think it's ever like a hundred percent of the reason or. Yeah. And I think that like, maybe like, as you were saying that it kind of occurred to me, like maybe this concept and again, in just like a less direct way like maybe we're we're kind of exaggerating it in order to explain it or i say we i mean rizzo maybe even in his article is exaggerating a bit it to highlight how it works for us yeah. and everything but like that idea of maybe they don't play as much and don't care as much as they used to um i think that's most likely i think that people get up there to the very top and 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 what I what I think it is personally, primarily, I'm sure there's lots of things that contribute to people's change in skill level or or uh, success. Yeah, success. Um, but I think probably the biggest one is that is basically it's exhausting. It is in order to be the first, the the absolute best, like world championship level player, you have to work really hard at it. And yeah. like whether you have the skill. I mean, you kind of have to have the skill, but even having the skill, it's not just like, oh, I am, I am the best player, so I won. Is you have to work really hard to be the winner, and it get you get tired, and so like, it, it it's like with this pandemic that we've all been going through. I think we've we've all seen it where people are like, okay, I'm ready for it to be over now, so I'm gonna stop wearing a mask. You know, it's like it's not. But like, it's really hard to stay worried about that and stay stressed about it and everything forever. At some point, yeah, you get used to it, and yeah, and like even if I like, I don't want to characterize any of the like top players that we all respect as like getting used to being the winner and not thinking they need to put in as much work. But just psychologically, it's really hard not to reach that point where you've won, you've been like the best player in the world for several months or whatever. And you're like, oh, clearly I'm the best, and I don't have to work as hard, right? And then you yeah. start like coming down, and also you know I think there's a there's an element to it where. Um, People, like, achieve that top level and say, okay, now I need to focus on, like, my article writing and stuff that will actually make me more money in the long run. Yeah, or they focus on something that they know they're weak about, mm -hmm. even if it's something not having to do with their game, you know? Yeah. They just focus on something else in their life because they feel like they can improve that more than they can improve the thing that they're the best in the world at. Right. And, but, part of why I'm bringing that is, like, but, you know, maybe that there's a little Bruce in that, too. Like, when when you get to that point, you're like, all right, I have achieved this, and uh, and now, now I'm going to... I, I'm, I'm getting tired of how much work I have to put in, or, like, I, I feel like I should focus on this other part of my life or whatever. Like, there might be a little Bruce in there being like, okay, here's a good... Here's an excuse you can use to not be the very, very best, you know? Yeah. It's like it is. It is a lot of work, and you do have have a new baby at home that you need to to spend more time focusing on. Not saying that Bruce is wrong here, you know, but Bruce might be whispering in your ear a little bit, but like, hey, man, you don't have to be this good at magic. You can you can uh, spend more time at home. Yeah. Um. But I feel like one of the things that I, that I'm not necessarily really good at, but I've tried to do ever since reading this article. Um, has been to just, like, not let myself use those crutches, you know? It's like, mm -hmm. sometimes you get mana screwed, and you lose a game because you got mana screwed. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But instead of walking away from that game saying, I got mana screwed, I don't need to think about like what I did wrong or if I did anything wrong, you can walk away from that game saying, saying how could I have won even though I got mana screwed? Yeah, you go, I got mana screwed. Was it because I kept a bad hand? Or mm. did I choose did I to... Did bad? Yeah, like, did I choose to leave a card on top that wasn't a land whenever I had information that indicated I probably really needed a land? Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, or even just, like, you know, hey, I was mana screwed. If I'd have played that differently, could I have won through it? Yeah. And that is going to be more valuable than saying, like, oh, I got mana screwed. Duh. That happens. And it does. And that's an okay attitude to take. It's fine. But... My point is, that doesn't help you improve. And if, if you want to get better, blaming these things on things like Mana Screw, or like, oh, he had the counter spell, nothing I could do, that, that doesn't help you improve. And, and I'm guilty of it. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm not. I, it is all the time. I'm always looking for any reason I can to avoid blame for my losses, because I hate, hate feeling like I failed. Uh, but I keep in mind, I did. Even if it was just my turn to get mana screwed, maybe I could have done something about that. And even if I couldn't, I can control what I do. I can't control the fact that the mana system sometimes mana screws people. Yeah, and I think that the attitude to keep in mind is is just think about when you're playing, going like, am I making this decision because this is the correct decision? Or am I making this decision because this is the easy way out? You know? Yeah. Like... I do that all the time when I'm keeping mulligans is just be it's not because I want to lose it's because I want to not have to shuffle my library again sure so I go well and maybe the not wanting to shuffle my library again is the Bruce being sneaky you know yeah next leveling me and you know I'm like ah I'm gonna make him do this thing so that then he makes decisions that make him lose or whatever right yeah but my point is just saying like I do that all the time where I keep bad hands and I know it's the wrong, it's a bad hand, but Mm -hmm. I did it anyways, you know? Yeah. I don't know how many times I've been in a tournament where my, my opponent is like, Hmm, I am going to keep this. And I go, I shouldn't keep this, but I'm going to, like, I've said that phrase so many times and sometimes I don't really mean it. Like my hand probably is one I should keep. It's just, I have some doubt about it. Or, like, I think, oh, man, something could go wrong. But I have decided it is a good keep. Other times, that's it's actually true. I'm like, oh, man, this looks like a bad hand. But I would rather play the game and hope than do, do the mulligan process. Yeah. But I think I think what, um, what gets highlighted, especially by the bit where he's talking about life decisions outside of Magic, where he's, like, studying for tests and stuff like that, is that this, this stuck in the middle with Bruce... Less, I think, really about that Bruce character who always actually set himself up to fail because he really just wanted to fail. And it's more about the idea that you have a lot of opportunities to make good decisions and people very frequently don't do that, even when they know that they're not making the right decision. And if it's because of this Bruce concept, okay, there's an explanation for you. If it's because of anything else that you can imagine, fine. The point, in my mind, is you have these opportunities to make correct decisions. Do your best to always do that. Yeah, and the, and I think one of your, your points is that if you want to get better as a Magic player, one of the good things to do is to look for those opportunities 
that you could have made a different decision that might have led to a better outcome. Yeah. And not just look for excuses to say it's not your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, like, as is true for a lot of strategy topics, whenever we're talking about, like, on the shoulders of giants and doing, like, deep dives on a strategy thing, or any of our other topics when we're when we're talking strategy, it's with the caveat, if your goal is to get better and win, right? Like, if yeah. you're just having fun playing magic with your friends, it's fine if if you always blame your losses on mana screw. Or you always say, ah, oh, my opponents always have the god draw. You know, okay, that's fine. You can do that. I don't have I do not take any issue with that. But if you want to improve at magic, blaming your losses on anything other than yourself is not gonna help you get better. Um, to some extent. I think that there is times where blaming yourself for stuff is can be bad to your self esteem and sure. you should you should recognize times where there actually wasn't anything you could do. Okay. Yeah, that's like, a fair point. There I try when I play I just bring up like I play Jund and Modern mm-hmm. and Tron is unbeatable. <laughs> like you just can't, right? Sure. And so I try to look for the avenue for which I could have won the game if I had perfect information. Like sometimes that's really what it would have required to be sure to make the right decision. Yeah. Is to be able to see the future and see what cards you're gonna draw later. But I just look for the avenues where I could have made a correct decision. Because or made a different decision because if enough times it was the same one that was the one I didn't make but was the correct one in hindsight, mm-hmm. then maybe that's a pattern I need to recognize and I should start trying to make that different decision. Sure. But it's also perfectly fine sometimes to go like, look back at the game and just be like, no, I made all the right decisions. They just won anyways. Yeah. Be- and And you could go... Oh, well, my problem in that match was I picked the wrong deck before the match began. And that's fine, too. But I'm just saying, like, I think there is times where you go, like, okay, looking back at this, no, I made all the right decisions. It just actually didn't matter. But I think you do need to do that kind of analysis before you come to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. You need to actually look back at it and go, like, okay, where were my decision points where I could have dramatically changed things? Yeah. Or even change things just enough or whatever. Just just look back over it and really analyze it before you just say, there was nothing I could do and mean it, you know? Sure. I, I'm also fine with people saying there's nothing I could do because they don't want to get into it. Yeah, I think but, to, to your point there about uh, deck selection being part of it, as uh, Rizzo mentions in the article, that one of, one of the ways his Bruce has shown up is by choosing not to play the powerful net deck and then playing against people and going like, oh, well, they won, but only because they had the net deck. And like, yeah. okay, well, that is that is still a decision point that you had, an opportunity you had to make a different decision that could have helped you win. And I will point out, I've been that guy. I've been the dude who, like, played something I made up at home, and then when I lose, like, oh, well, they didn't make their own deck, so I still feel more, <laughs> I feel creatively the victor. And yeah, and I do feel that way. And if that's something you value, that's okay too. Because winning the games and improving at magic is not necessarily the only thing that is worth considering when making a decision. It can be. If that's your goal and you want to exclude every other factor, then yes, the correct decision is probably to play the most powerful deck that the community has created. You know? 
Yeah. But you might not want to do that, and that's okay. And you can still be a spike player who values winning and, and try and, like, be a tryhard and make this decision that you know is wrong, you know? Or mm-hmm. quote-unquote wrong, because that's not the only thing that you value. Yeah. Uh-huh. But... And, and so, like, to take my analogy a little bit further about my my interpretation of times where you can make sure that it wasn't like you can look to make sure it wasn't Bruce that was dragging you down. Yeah. You know, it's like you, there was legitimately nothing you could have done in that match to win. It was just your deck choices versus their deck choice. If you win that tournament, you had the correct deck choice. Yeah. Even if you lost a match in the tournament because you had the wrong deck choice for that match. Yeah. You know? And so like, take that into account. It's like, okay, like I lost this tournament. Was it because I played poorly in some matches? And you go back like, no, I didn't. Is it because I picked the wrong deck? Yes. Oh, okay. Or it's like you play the tournament and you're like, did I pick the wrong deck? No, this person playing the exact same cards as I did won the tournament. Sure. Oh, I made some poor decisions. Okay. You know? Yeah. And I mean, like, it just as, as an example to that is like, you could go to, to a uh, modern tournament playing your Jun deck, right? And you end up playing... Tron, like, almost every round, and you lose really badly, and then you're like, oh, man, I guess Jund wasn't the right deck to bring to this tournament, but then you, like, look at the top eight, and three players in the top eight are Jund, and the, one of them won. I'm like, hmm, maybe it was some poor decisions I made round one that put me in the loser's bracket, where I ended up playing Tron a bunch. You yeah, know? but it's just, it's just, like, trying to, I think what the the value of this article is just, bringing to mind the fact that things that don't always seem like it was your fault mm-hmm. might be if you take a step further back and go, okay, what happened just before that? Yeah. Did I cause this to actually end up happening? Mm-hmm. And I, I think just kind of... Am I mana screwed because there's one mountain in my deck and my deck is a blue-green deck and I put a red spell in it and I put one mountain and I was like, oh, I just needed a land. It's like, yeah, you needed a mountain and there weren't any in your deck. Yeah, yeah, and I think just, like, it comes down to owning your decisions, and, like, if those are poor decisions from the standpoint of winning, and you made them for a good reason, like, like I was saying, like, maybe just winning isn't the only thing you care about, that's fine, but if not, if you don't have, like, a good reason, what were you doing? Like, you still got to make that decision, and saying, oh, that wasn't really a decision, it didn't matter whether I played... Uh, a forest or an island turn one. Like, did it? He's though? just letting Bruce take the wheel. Yeah, yeah, and and it can it can be very small decisions. Like you could win or lose a game based on the first basic land that you play. Usually not. Mm-hmm. Generally, that's not going to be the case because you're not playing anything until you've got two lands in play anyway, and so you can have both of them or whatever. You know? Yeah, I'm not trying to say that you really need to agonize over that first land you play. I what I am saying is that you should consider the decisions that you're making and realize that you're making decisions. Yeah, and sometimes the first land you play, even if you don't play any spells, determines whether or not your opponent plays a Thought Seize on turn one or if they leave up Lightning Bolt, you know? Sure. And so, just, like, thinking about that before you play your land can matter. And I think that what you want to do is get to the point where you make those decisions out of hand. You know, you're like, oh... I should play this land because this is the correct one and I know that and you don't have to think about why. Yeah. But when you're first getting used to 
a strategy or whatever, you need to sit there and go like, okay, which of these lands is the best one for me to play? And what am, what am I showing my opponent when I play those lands? And you think about that stuff, and that could be the way you overcome the Bruce here, you know? Yeah. Is you, you just take it step by step, figure out what decisions you're making and what, what information you're using to make those decisions. Yeah. And sometimes you'll be in that situation like you were describing that like you already have it by rote. You're like, okay, I play the mountain because that's the correct one to play. And that ends up being wrong because of some other factor. Right. And the, the, another important thing to do is not go, oh, well, I've already determined that is the correct play. And, Oh, it's just, just what I, nothing I could do. Maybe. Maybe there was nothing you could do because you didn't have the information to know that that was the wrong play at this time. Mm-hmm. But remember, you made a decision. Even if it's one that you've made enough times and you, you've analyzed to the point that it's not something you think about anymore and you do it, by not recognizing that you're making decisions there, that's another point where Bruce can sneak in. You know? And be like, ah, mm-hmm. that game was out of my hands. Like, was it, though? That's really... I guess <laughs> that's, that's a big thing I take away from this. It's just that Was it, though? <laughs> Like, just ask yeah. yourself that. Maybe it was. Maybe the answer is, oh, yeah, it was. Uh, but if you ask yourself, was it, when you're thinking these things, that can really help you make sure that you are actually considering whether or not there was something you could do to improve your chances of winning. Yeah. Uh, Don, was there, is there anything else that you want to add to stuck in the middle with Bruce? No, certainly not after that. <laughs> what? You didn't enjoy that? Oh, I did. I'm just kidding. You got clowns Beautiful. on the left of me, jokers on the right. I'm here and I messed up the lyrics. Something like that. Anyway. All right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Anyway, I think this is going to be kind of a long one because uh, we spent a while talking about uh, Boardwalk stuff and, wander. And, and Patreon stuff. Do what? And we wander. Yeah. We meander. Yeah. Uh, but I hope that everyone will take a look at our show notes. Um, if you're on, if you're on our Patreon, you may have, and at like one of the higher tiers, you may have the option to look at the notes that we use when we're doing the show. But generally when I say show notes, I mean, like if you scroll up on your app while you're listening to the show, there's text stuff. The show description. Yeah. And that, that's what the show notes are. Um, in, in there, we'll have a link to the, to the actual original article by John Rizzo. Stuck in the middle with Bruce. And, and I, th- I think it's worth a read. Um, we spent a while talking about it. Uh, but Riz- Rizzo's a fun guy to read. He, he writes, like, almost in, like, a poetry style. Where, like, he's really... He, put, he uh, like, leaves spaces, starts new paragraphs and stuff, keeping, the like, the rhythm of the writing in mind. Yeah, he, he keeps the pacing... He, he paces how quickly you read the article with his grammar and punctuation. Yeah. And... He is very mindful of the experience of reading his article, not just communicating the information. Right. And so so he's a fun author. I actually, I've uh, bookmarked a couple other things he's done. I'm like, is this really a, a Shoulders of Giants thing, or do I just like the article, you know? And so mm-hmm. we may or may not see him again, but um, but his, this... Uh, we'll send those out to committee and find out. <laughs> but this this link will be in the show notes, and I'm, I'm going to recommend people read it. Uh, but I think that's everything we've got this episode, Donovan. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, Modern Horizons 2, right? That's the plan? Well, we'll, we'll be talking about it. We won't have any. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably be opening up Strixhaven Pack next week. But we'll be talking about Modern Horizons 2. In the meantime, Donovan, if uh, 
people want to hear more about playing Jund and Modern, where can they find you? Find me up at Boardwalk in North Dallas, where I sell Magic the Gathering cards and board games. Or you can find me at Twitter at Day underscore Donovan. Or on uh, Tuesday nights, I've been streaming at twitch.tv slash dday underscore 99. I'm a fan of those underscores because, you know, that's what I like to do is underscore. Ah, because I'm a Bruce. Okay. I don't win. Get it? Yep. It's on theme. And uh, and we can watch you what get to Mythic with playing Standard on, on Arena? You know, I wish. I tried real hard to hit Mythic last month on the last day. And did not make it. Oh, but that's because I spent most of the month goofing off and then just tried to get that last rank in the last day. Yeah. Going like from the bottom of Diamond up, and I just wasn't prepped for it. Well, so you know that dude did all that uh data mining and, and math and stuff to, to figure it out mm-hmm. last month and he found if you know you're in Diamond or whatever and you just concede like a hundred matches in a row, then you'll get really easy matchmaking for <laughs> That is true. One person's experience is definitely proof of. Well, he did a lot of work to. to I know. I read the article, but the info and stuff on that. But it it all seems pretty reasonable. I'm just joking because there's there's so many people that are upset about his article, and I'm just like, it's just how that works. Yeah, I I thought about talking about his article this week. All seems pretty straightforward. I thought about talking about his stuff this week, but. At the same, it's like it's really dry math stuff, and I don't really have anything to say about it other than this appears to be the case, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it. Sorry, I just thought it was weird though. Just on the one last comment on that article mm-hmm. is it really seemed like he was trying to say that, like, say all this stuff as a critique of the system. Yeah, and I was just like, this seems fine. That's just like, oh, this is exploitable. It's like, uh. I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, on, um, I can understand why you would rather it not be exploitable. It would be better if it wasn't exploitable, right? And there's some bits of information there that are going to be, uh, unfortunate for like the very top level players who are trying to just sit on their ranking. Um, but I don't sympathize with that. Uh, to me, the only like major point in there that I thought was valuable, while not not really being good. It was valuable to note that uh, it seems, and again, like you said, this is just this one guy checked it out and did a lot of math based on some assumptions that seem reasonable, but it appears to be the case that the ranking system doesn't work the way Watsi has said it does, and if that's the case, that seems bad. I mean, it's not, like, life-changing for anyone, but, like, we would rather Watsi have, have it correct. Even Maybe they just made a mistake, you know, but... Like, ideally, it would work the way they say it works, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, um, we're in the middle How of... How do they contact you? Yeah, we're in the middle of the outro stuff, so... So, uh, this, this is... Uh, this is throwing, throwing me off a bit, but, uh... Yeah. from the podcast, got it. Maybe, maybe we'll just have, like, a really long outtake at the end where we talk about this dude's article. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but if somebody wants to, On like, the shoulders of two really tall people this week. <laughs> if somebody wants to just talk directly to bruce you can tweet at me at engine within on twitter you can email the podcast at planeswalkerspod at gmail.com or what would really help is if you could visit patreon.com slash planeswalkers where you can support the show or just go down to our about us section and uh take our take our survey uh, so that you can be entered into our monthly giveaways uh 
Uh, we've got big stack of cards going out to Daniel this week, and we've opened up a pack to go into our started next month. Stack. Yeah, stacks on stacks on stacks. So until next time, may the mana be ever in your favor. Later days. It's not about what plane you were born on. It's not about your race or your class. It's not about your gender, your income, or your fate. Mage Tower is about how you play. If you have the drive to succeed at school and in sports, you make the big play. We'll provide the opportunity. Mage Tower scholarships are currently available for the fall semester. Complete your free application now and your Mage Tower scholarship can be applied to the college of your choice. Make your play at Strixhaven School of Mages. What was that expression? What was that comment? Oh, I decided I'm going to, until next time, something different every So that was... And this week you're a Mockingjay? I guess. I don't I don't know that I'm getting this. Uh, those, the Mockingjay books. I thought I was catching. Uh-huh. The ones from the Hunger Games. <laughs> anyway, um, should we go straight into it? Nah, I think it's a bit past that. We can go into an ad, but we're not going straight there. We've already... Oh. Okay. My question is We've is, already is there... turned down the wrong cul-de-sac, my friend. <laughs> my point is like is there anything else before I do the ad now? Nah, we're good. Alright. Yeah. Ooh, no priest of oblivion. I like that card. That's sweet. These cards are just for me. Anyone who's listening at home opening packs while Duncan's gone. I'm a back in there Duncan will get to hear this later. What if we got some here? Oh, I needed another cleansing wildfire that completes my playset. Balagad recovery is good. Nimble trap finder is not. Oh shit, Duncan's back. What were you doing? Nothing. You'll never know. Okay, fine. You'll never catch me, Darkwing Duck. Where the fuck did I get a Green Weaver Druid? I don't know. What are these cards and how did I get them? Oh! <laughs> okay. Yeah? That's the cards I took out of my Tiny Leaders deck. Okay. Now Duncan's like, what the fuck's a tiny leader? No, I've I've heard of tiny leaders. Uh, yeah, you play tiny leaders, do you? Nope.